0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Laying Foundations podcast. I'm your co-host, Davis Hambrick. I would usually say joining along Simon but a lot, but he he's busy this weekend and having a good time, getting to spend time with, uh, with family friends. So we're really, on this podcast, we're just gonna pick up right where we left off. Um, we're continuing our conversation with Brian O'Neill and the executive director of Third Lens Ministries. You know, I previously spoke about how Third Lens is still a huge part, holds a huge part in my heart, but he helped me and Third Lens helped me during a time where I was walking through some stuff. You know, I think I've, I've openly shared throughout the podcast where, you know, I've changed majors from civil engineering to, to business school, to going to liberal arts degree, to finally into building science. And around that time is when I saw and got to meet Brian O'Neill. Um, he was actually he came into the Gory Center, which is our building science building at Auburn, and just talked about having a life of purpose. And you know, I think I was going through that a little bit. I was going through, um, you know, what's gonna what's gonna be my career path? What am I gonna choose? So I finally got into construction, going through the, a, a lot um, academically, not doing my best, and then finally getting into this construction program. And you know, Brian O'Neill's there, and he talks about purpose, and he talks about it a lot in this podcast, but. Um, I challenge you guys, whether you believe or have a faith, whether you believe in God or whomever you believe in, I think it's imperative for all of us to serve others. Whether you believe in that or not, I think serving others makes you and definitely me a better person in the aspect of if the only thing I'm doing throughout the day, if I'm in school, if I'm on, on a job site and all I'm worried about is me and what I can do for myself. Yeah, that's not a very fulfilling life if all I'm worried about is just what I can do in a in an industry that really is built upon people and teams. The 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 best contractors, the best architects, the best firms. Period. The best job sites. It usually boils down to how great is your team. And so if you can get out of out of wanting to just serve yourself and think about serving others uh, and really being there for your team, you're gonna do you're gonna do great in this industry. And I say that because third lens in that point in my life opened my eyes to what being a part of a team was again. You know, I was just struggling through college and I wasn't preparing enough. I wasn't doing well in class. I wasn't doing well um, personally in in my life outside of college. But I, I, I get to meet Brian and he walks me through third lens and me getting involved and getting to serve. Uh, it, it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot more just than uh, the owner side of construction, but also um, what it's like to be part of a team that that truly cares about each other more than themselves. And so, we're going to pick up this conversation right where we left off. And I just kind of wanted to leave you with that, but. For me, as a as a construction professional, while going through school, I only knew about the construction phase. I didn't know about all this other side that the owner goes through. I just thought, what does the owner do? He just comes to every meeting once a month, and that's about it? Like, he Does he do anything, really? And then you see this other side, and you're like, wow. They have a, a very strenuous job, too, that takes a lot of detail, takes a lot of planning. And I, I love the graphic. I wish I could share my screen, but I love the – uh, the detail uh, of the steps that's gone through a structured project delivery process. So I appreciate you being willing to share um, about the the owner side. But let's talk more about the Third Lens Ministry mission. Um, as as we transition to this, um, you know I think it's what is it? is it? It's where design construction meets intersects a ministry. Is that right, Ryan?
1: Yeah, that's that's one of our uh, our our little you know slogans is you know we're designing construction intersect ministry. Our mission is to 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 design and build environments for healing, redemption, and empowerment to take place. The built environment has so many capabilities. Um, That was that was influenced by an Andy Stanley sermon, gosh, fifteen years ago, that, that talked about you know ministry can take place you know, under a banyan tree or, or in a, a flexible remote space, but the built environment is, uh, is conducive for, for certain types of outreach. So a medical clinic or, you know, a school really needs a built environment. And then, uh, you know, our, our vision is really uh, to use construction design to connect people to eternity. Um, as much as I love the process and seeing these buildings evolve and, and get finished, um, as I mentioned, all of my poignant moments have nothing to do with, with a built structure or, or the, the architectural plans. It has to do with an individual or a group right. of people whose lives are changed because of that project. So, um, yeah, our, our, our mission is really to, to, to find those organizations that are doing great work and partner with them. Through project launch, through construction management, you know, help them engage people in the AEC community to give of their time, talent, and treasure on these projects. And at the end of it, if the gospel, you know, gets shared with ten people, or ten thousand, or ten million people, that's a win for us. So as I stand before my Maker, when you know, when I pass from this side to the other, you know, my my hope. Uh, my faith is, is that, you know, through the work we're doing at Third Lens, um, God looks at us and says, you've done well, my good and faithful servants.
2: That's right. Brian, I, I really love that. And I love the time, talent, treasure that you keep on saying. I haven't heard that before. I really like how that's put. Um, you, you know, for Third Lens and and really for people that are hearing this, man, I really I really like what they do and what they're about. How What are some ways that that people outsiders can get involved with third lens ministries.
1: Yeah, we, we are, are are very much a, a volunteer based organization. You know, I mentioned the, the, the volume of work that we're doing. Um, you want to guess how many staff people we have?
2: Yeah. No, Davis, Davis has a,
1: (laughs) uh, we're, we're actually, um, we're up to three full-time employees right. wow. and, and, and two part-time consultants. they're on staff. They're just in a consulting capacity. Right. Um, but we've, we've got we, we've worked with, I think we're pushing or upwards of 200 volunteers we've worked with over the last you know 12 years, um, whether it be architects, engineers and design professionals who can donate or advise on projects. Um, One of the things I haven't mentioned is, is that one of our focuses and convictions is that we want, we want Haitian buildings built by Haitians, Mm. not by, you know, uh, American white saviors um, down there is blonde blondes um, in in Africa, you know, we want a Kenyan building designed by Kenyan architect but have some guardrails around it and built by a Kenyan contractor with guardrails around it. Not that uh, our way is better or the, you know, the the American way is, but how do we, how do we help lift up the means and methods of construction in these countries? And so, yeah, there's, there's volunteer opportunities directly designing or advising on projects and speaking into that um, from a a construction project management standpoint, we've got opportunities internationally to serve as a a loaned PM um, to help, um, you know, oversee the the day to day. The those those engagements are low lifts, a couple hours a week. Um, being on kind of an OAC project call um, like this on Zoom, um, and then you know, batting some emails around, helping pre-construction is a big need for us. Um, helping do estimates, takeoffs, so that we can check and make sure the bids we're getting from contractors are sufficient. Um, and then uh, in general, I mean. Uh, our intern, we've got 16 interns this semester. Um, wow. They're managing our website. They're helping with all of our social media. They're designing a lot of our collateral content. Um, the, uh, the 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 project launch document I shared with you, Davis. I mean, that was mostly done by volunteer interns. Um, and so, volunteerism is 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 huge. Um, we kind of we kind of look at it in three stages, just like project launch. Um, so you got volunteerism then then being an advocate so once you know us once you you've you're bought into mission vision being out there being an advocate whether that's at your local church on social media with your company you know davis you call in jim gory up to say hey jim i need you to to support those those are always well well received uh, i joke um uh jim's a good friend um and, and then is the, the last part is obviously financially um, you know, helping support the mission. Um, we've got a, a monthly donor program. Um, any monthly donation of any amount helps us reach new people. Helps us take on new projects. Um, we call it Hope Builders. Um, you know, that's right. we that's that's our way of saying of you know, if you're a part of this in any capacity, yeah, we're building something. But um, we're we're in the hope business, not the construction and design business. We're we're in the okay. business of providing hope for a better future, providing hope and um, in, in, in being graceful in how we can empower people um, in, in, in our focus on you know, children, families, and communities. Um, there's so much hopelessness in the world. We talked about identity earlier. I can't right. tell you how many conversations I have with young people, both here in the States, but also abroad, where because they, they live in abject poverty, they live in material mm. poverty, the, yeah. the the prospects of them rising um economically socially whatever you want to put it um it's very very low and um and i think you know if if i can if i can look at a young person or, or a, a construction professional and say hey you have worth mm. um, god sees you and sees as much in you as he sees in me yes we come from two different yeah. worlds neither is better than one another we're all children of god and he has a greater plan for your life
0: that's right
1: that's hope business.
0: That's right. I love that. And, you know, kind of going back to what you're talking about, I have a few different ways to go with this, but real quick, my little plug for third lens. Um, if you're wanting to get involved, you know, I was an intern with Brian and, you know, I can't even think about all the things that I learned, Um, but you better be willing to work and go at it because he will use you if you're willing, because man, you know, the, the, there's just a few hours of a day, but man, it's high intensity and you learn so much. And You go back at the end of the semester when you when you're done with school or wherever you're at in life and you go back and go, wow, look at all the stuff and these relationships that I've made and the and the stuff that I've learned from being in these meetings that if I didn't even think about volunteering, I would have never got to know. I would have never gotten to uh, know about these different ministries that we're partnering with and having uh, an opportunity to you are helping in your local state and helping them prepare for projects that they go to get to go advance the gospel in. And that's what I love about it. You know, I was looking for a spot in my own life. You know, I had just gotten to Auburn really trying to figure out where I was in college, like Brian, you mentioned, and me getting to plug in with, with third lens gave me the opportunity to serve again and to get back into, okay, I'm learning about construction, but and it's going to help me in, in my in my walk with Christ. But also, it's going to help me with how I'm going to be going as a professional. Is I'm not just worried about the construction. I'm worried about how I'm treating people. I'm worried about being a light to others, and that's what I loved about getting to, to be a part of Thirds Lens. But the other thing I, lo- I love that you mentioned was you know you mentioned Haitians building Haitian buildings, and I forgot what the book the book you gave me, but it talked about there it is. You're going to have it right there. There you go. When helping hurts and my, helping I hurt. never finished it, which is bad because I just called it out. But what I do remember is, and this is kind of where I'm, what I wanted to ask you about this. What has it been like going into these countries and you going, okay, it doesn't just need to be about, you know, the American way or how we usually do it. What has it been like by you going to this community and really trying to empower and bring up those people that are in that community?
1: Yeah. So when Helping Hurts and uh, the other book is uh, Toxic Charity, those those are the two that um, really have been directional changers for us in how we did ministry. I mean, that first project in Honduras, you know, we sent six teams, of 10 guys, you know, we still kind of had that short term mission, white savior um, mentality. Um, And as as these books were written, kind of around that time, and we started reading them, you know, we realized that well-intentioned people mm. cause more harm with their charity um, than they realize. Mm. And that um, when we do for those, what they can do for themselves, we just continue to perpetuate poverty. Um, I, I had a conversation just a couple hours ago with uh, a friend of mine. Um, he, he had an idea for kind of, you know, how to help some inner city kids here in our community. And um, I just said, Hey, let me, let me talk to you about this book before you go and um you know do what you're thinking about doing which would have just you know kind of given the kids something that they probably didn't need and um you know would would be more kind of on the the enablement side of ministry mm-hmm. um and we talked through this the, the the tenets of this and so um you know when when we looked at in through the lens of third of of the gospel and and through the work of third lens you know i started to see i'm like you know what the thousands and thousands of dollars that we spend going on mission trips, what if we reinvested that in the microeconomics of our projects and hired locals to mm-hmm. execute the work. Mm-hmm. And, 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 as I thought about that, I was like, man, we've got to stop doing these trips because one of my convictions is as I was looking around and this was back, even in my banker days, I was looking around and man, there was always like dozens of teenagers and, and college age students um, that, could, that, that were looking for a job, they were just sitting around, they they'd finished whatever level of education, they were trying to you know figure out how to put food on the table. And then the other part was that there'd be 50 year old guys that would be just busting it, you know, mixing concrete on the ground by hand, doing right. it 10 times faster yeah. than any of us could. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I started to realize, I'm like, they don't need us to show up. And yes, we can say we're doing it for service and, you know, we're providing free labor, but they don't need us. What they need is they need us to help take them to the next level financially by funding projects and then, you know, helping train those individuals on modern means and methods of construction Um, and so, yeah, uh, the, the maturation was, is that, you know, we got away from doing short term mission trips and for like four or five years, we didn't do any trips. And then we found that that some of our our volunteers were like, man, I I really miss going on trips. So now our model is, um, we do vision trips and that's where, you know, David, if David says, Hey, I want to come see the work that you're doing, maybe get to meet one of, uh, you know, the ministries or some of the people you're working with. Yeah, man. Hey, we're going to Kenya in November. Um, here's the itinerary. If you want to come along, like book a flight, come join us. And then we go and we see the work that we're doing. They get to see third lens in action, and then they get to meet the ministry leaders. And then they get to meet the ministry, you know, the children or the community members. They get to fellowship with them. It's not about any type of hand up or hand out. Mm -hmm. It's about just relationship. Because Mm -hmm. when Helping Hurts talks about, the materially poor are not poor because they lack money or assets. They're materially poor because spiritually, relationally, economically, they have fractured relationships. Mm-hmm. So I want you to come see and let God break your heart the way he broke my heart 20 some mm-hmm. odd years 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. And from there, then it doesn't become about like, Hey, let let me just throw a little cash at it. It's All like, right. okay, how can I, open a vocational construction trade school in in Haiti. Mm. How can I, instead of going and renting an expensive piece of equipment, this is a real story, um, instead of renting a big expensive piece of equipment and an operator in Haiti to drain a soybean field so that we could then start doing site work, we hired, I think it was close to 80 or 90 local community members for a week to go out there, paid them three or four times what they would make in any other job in the town. Mm -hmm. And you thought, I I mean, I was Santa Claus because I just gave them a month's wages for a good one week's work Mm -hmm. and they're going to benefit in the future from that building being complete. So that's that's some of the stuff that, that, that we've been personally uh, driven by Um, the main thing is, is is to make sure that um, relationally, we're helping and that um, our good intentions don't inevitably push them further down the poverty chain.
2: Brian, I, I love that. You know, I'm, and I, to be honest with you, I've never thought of it that way. And so my, my next question would be, and, and I guess you could say you kind of answered it, but for those listening, you know, in your opinion, what is the biggest misconception of the ministry field in general that you think people have and how, are you going about kind of changing that changing the way people think about missions work and 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 getting involved in that type of area
1: I think there's there's two main narratives that we're trying to to change um the first is um and in and, and these these are these are all our own fault you know leaders in ministry staff church you know we've created our own branding issues um the first is is that Um, ministries don't know how to manage construction projects. So there are are major donors, foundations, corporations that have said, we will never give to a construction project ever Mm -hmm. again because we got burned so many times. I've talked to some of the largest churches in the United States that have said, oh man, I just don't know if we could do another construction project. Let me tell you about these three or four stories of how we gave X amount of dollars and then they came back to us oh, and asked wow. for more to finish the project. So that narrative, that hurts my heart because that's a stewardship um, component. But the the reality is, is that the ones that were managing those projects weren't equipped to do it. So that's that's proof of concept why Third Lens should exist. That And it doesn't have to be Third Lens. There's, there's other organizations or volunteers that could step in and do what we do. But having the right people, uh, Davis knows I'm I'm a huge fan of Jim Collins, good to great, you know, having the right people in the right seats on the bus. We make all of our interns read that book because there's so many great concepts, but that concept in itself, um, you know, you got to have a team. So when we, when we, we run in our lane, our ministry partners running the organization we're running in construction, the donors, foundations, churches, they're, they're running in the strategic partner funding lane. And then we bring in industry professionals to run in their lane. And that's, that's a pretty solid team. So that's, that's okay, one thing cool. we're trying to change. The other is, is that there's a general concept that when you work in nonprofits, like you really don't work hard. Mm. Um, mm. And so we're trying to change that narrative by showing efficiencies um when we when we talk about impact um we try to report out as best we can because it's not about numbers but donors care about numbers we want to show that dollars are being maximized and utilized towards the mission and they there there's a there's a roi you now your average person would say all right return on investment Um, we we've recoined that phrase to be realization of impact. So when, when we talk about we're managing $50 million of projects, you know, and we were doing it on, you know, last year was less than a $220,000 budget. Like you, you guys know the average rate for a program manager is two to 6% of the budget for a project. We're running at less than half percent. Right. So we want to talk and then you start throwing in the reason why we track uh, donated design services is to show like, hey, we're trying to turn every dollar, whether that come from our donors, from corporate partners or from our ministry partners, and we want to show them like a five to 10 X minimum ROI, Perfect. not to mention we, we try as best we can to track the number of um, lives that are going to be impacted by those buildings. If it's a medical clinic, I mean, that could be generations that get reached through the building. Or if it's an orphan home for 12 kids, that may only be dozens in the, the life cycle of that building. But at the end of the day, did we steward the resources well? Did we work our tails off? I work harder now than I did you know, when I was a banker or when I was doing real estate development. And I left because I didn't like the work that I was doing and the hours I was having yeah. to put in. But I work. I, the, my ROI is infinitely more knowing what we're accomplishing here. So okay. the next time you look at, you know, your church staff member or a ministry director and, you know, you see their Instagram at the beach or at these conferences, mm-hmm. you know, that's fine and good. That's not a judgment. Um, I know our team shows up early. I know our team and most of our the partners that we work with, they work their tails off almost. I mean, it's, it's almost, you know, sinful yeah. how much we work uh the time that we put in to to provide um the, the 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 results that we're trying to um and so we approach it with a business mindset um this is we're grinding every day this is our hustle this is whatever you want to call it um we treat this like it's a it's a it's a, a startup um so we're lean you know lean startup we're trying to you know figure out where the efficiencies are we're we're trying to get free software we're trying to ask for you know new cool i got survey equipment in here that was donated you know, um, and so yeah, we're just hustling, but in but in a biblical context. So we want people to look at at our organization and say, "Yep, they're not the ones that have 15 coffees with people, and you know, right. have a prayer meeting or two, and then have a, a you know a during work hours like small group. Those are all good things mm-hmm. in, in in moderation. I need that. I need more of it. Um, right. But I'm I'm getting my tail in here." you know, 6.30, sometimes earlier, um, getting in the war room, getting in scripture before I start my day. Our team is committed to praying for all of our projects, praying for our volunteers. We pray up every uh, OAC call that we have, every team call. It starts off with prayer. Yeah, we're uh, we're spiritual hustlers, and, and that's the identity I want people to have.
0: That's awesome. Um, I'll go on record that any Anybody that says that third lens doesn't work hard, they're absolutely crazy. As long as Brian O'Neill's at the helm, man, they're (laughs) going to be working hard. Um, So we can go ahead and put that one to bed. But as we kind of close here, um, Brian, we like to ask two questions. And I love these questions. You know, I'll go on record. Walker also has the better question here. But I like my question as well. So if you were talking to someone, I mean, really our age, younger, um, high school, middle school, what are some qualities you you would tell them if they're in the? What are some qualities they need to have to enter in the construction workforce?
1: Oh, that's great! I, I love that because we talk about that a lot with our interns. So I mentioned um, the the two books that we now make all of our interns read. Um, we make them do a, a six week leadership intensive before they start. Now, Davis, wow. I wish you'd been able to be a part of it, but um, we make them uh, read "A Good to Great" by Jim Collins. And there's a ton in there. Um, you know, we talked about right seat uh, on the on the bus, um, you know, having the right people in the right positions based on their giftings and their skills and their desires. Um, the one that, um, that, that that resonates most with me, with your generation and young people mm-hmm. is your inner hedgehog. And that's the Venn diagram. You can look it up, Google it. But it's where you. Um, the inner it's the intersection of your passion your marketable skills-huh and your and your purpose that's right and that's your inner hedgehog and and I've been having conversations with my board about how do I I, I've, I was kind of a one-man show for a while how do I start paring back and getting to that sweet yeah. spot mm. so your generation is very much asking the question what is my purpose? Mm. That's the wrong question. The question should be, what is God's purpose for me? It's not your purpose. God called you, gave you identity, skills, time, talent, and treasure. Um, He uniquely gifted you in that inner hedgehog. Pursue that. Mm. Don't pursue a platform. Pursue God's purpose for you because it's not about you. So that's good to great. Um, the other book that 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 we make them read that has, I mean, neither book has anything to do with faith, um, uh, but, but that's on purpose. Is Extreme Ownership um, yeah. by Jocko Willie and, and Leif Babin, um, Navy SEAL book talking about um, you know Afghanistan, Iraq, um, uh, you know Fallujah, and, and and my big takeaway from you know obviously the, the title of the book kind of gives it away is is having a mentality of extreme ownership. I've got a son who's 19. I just generationally see that when a problem arises, everybody in the room says it was their fault. Mm. When, you know, when you really think about it, when you point a finger at somebody, this is a terrible illustration cliche, you got three pointed back at you. Let's throw that out. If you're thinking about a team, everything, I mean, there's individual, but there's team. If we're thinking about a team, if the team fails, it's not one person's fault. There's 11 guys on the football field, there's nine on the baseball field. There, whatever right. sports analogy you want to throw in there, there's the coaching staff. If we could all put ourselves on the shelf and really inwardly reflect from a third person point of view
0: mm.
1: and just say, Hey, yes, I own my mistakes that led us to fail in this game, in this moment, on that play. I mean, I don't know what sports you guys play. I didn't play football, but I know in the film room, they'll sit there and they'll point out every player and they'll find something that they didn't necessarily do right on a busted play. You know, the wide receiver didn't pick up, you know, the cornerback on a – whatever that is, Hmm. we've got to stop saying, hey, it's your fault, not mine, and start saying, hey, I'm going to own my part. That's right. And there's, there's a great story in there about a a, miss, a mission resulted in friendly fire. Thankfully, you know, nobody got killed. Um, but, you know, Jocko was, the, uh, w- w- was in charge of his unit. And, you know, he's got to do a report in this big – I mean, like, I don't even remember the rank, but it was a big deal. He was right. in that camp at that time. And instead of going in and just listing out everything his team, individual members, had done wrong, he said, hey, I own – I own as the leader of this team that we failed. It's on me. Um, if anybody's getting demoted, it's me. Well, the crazy part is is then everybody on the team started standing up saying, Hey, I didn't communicate. Well, I wasn't in the right position. Everybody owned a part of it and in the, whatever the, I don't think it was a general, but um, the, the, the leader, the um, you know, he, he walks out and he's like, that was the best debrief I think I've ever seen because nobody point a finger everybody cool. owns something i was ready to demote somebody now i'm ready to promote somebody so um i think for your generation um getting into construction if you can align his purpose with you, with your profession and try to live in that purpose that that'll lead you to that that job don't pursue platform or position pursue right. purpose and calling and then stop pointing the finger. Take ownership. You know, every day that, that you get on your knees to, to pray the good Lord, you know, there's praise and adoration. What's the next one? Repentance. Mm. Own, own your shortcomings. Yeah. Because if, if, if we in this world today could just lead with grace, well, we can't lead with grace until we've received grace. So, so
2: that's what I got. Brian, i I really love that. I especially love to align his purpose with your position. And I think that's missing so many days. I know personally in my life that I it's a constant battle of having to do that. It's an everyday thing, sort of thing. You know, it's not like, and for those listening, it's not like you're going to wake up one day and be like, this is it. I mean, you know, I don't have to think about it ever again. No, it's like a constant battle of, Lord, how how can I bring glory to your kingdom today and not just to myself? And I really, I really love that and how you've said that. And also the extreme ownership, I I genuinely believe that that is one of the things that a lot of people, our generation especially, but just people in general in this world are missing nowadays, you know, just everything that is going on in this world, like you said, is this pointy thing is never, it is never their fault It is someone else's fault every single time. Uh, And I love that just take more extreme ownership and everyone, everyone's gonna you would I think everyone would be surprised the amount of people that actually step up when they're not having the blame cast on themselves. Cause I know if someone blames me, I'm automatically going to get defensive about it. Right. Yeah, but yeah. if someone in the rooms like, dude, this is all my fault. And me, even if, even if it was my fault or I had a huge part in it, but someone else takes a claim, like, uh-uh, "Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to let you go down for that. You know? And I think that's exactly what the story about Jocko and extreme ownership was just everyone's owning, owning their part. But Brian, for for the last question, you know, Davis likes to say, this is a better question. I don't believe it. I like Davis's, but you know, you, you've been around, you've done a ton. You've been overseas a lot more than both of us combined ever been overseas. You know, so you've seen incredible amount and, and done a lot of life. What's something that if you could go back to your 20 year old self with the knowledge that you know, now, what, what would you tell yourself going forward in life?
1: Oh gosh, man. Um, uh, I, th- I think I would, um, I would, I would choose to be more present
2: mm, that's uh, one. in particular
1: yeah. with, uh, with family. Um, you know, you start getting older and, uh, you know, you look at, you, uh, I've lost three or four grandparents over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think of all the times that, and what if, uh, what if I spent more time with my grandfather? Yeah. um, who was, you know, very much a, 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 spiritual father figure in my life. Um, what if right now I'm trying with my dad to really, um, sit down and, and ask better questions. That's, that's part of being present, ask better questions. Um, you know, dad, tell me about, you know, what it was like when you were a kid. I mean, I know I've heard all these stories over the last, you know, 40 years, um, but my dad and I just had the opportunity to go fishing in Alaska together. And we had a lot of drive time in, in time together. Um, and, and it was, I was trying to absorb um, history, you know, tell me about, you know, when you lived here and what that was like. And um, tell me more about, I know kind of the bullet points, but you know, color in the, the gaps that I don't have. Um, so I, I know, you know, when I was in my twenties, I was young and going and, you know, um, all piss and vinegar, but, uh, I, I think back and go, man, I, I really wish I had just been a little more present at, yeah. um, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving and, uh, one set of my grandparents look very close. And so, um, I think back and, and wish I could have asked some, some questions, uh, uh, that thankfully I'll be able to, to ask, uh, when, when, when I meet them again in heaven.
0: That's right. That's right.
2: I I love that. Thank you so much for for opening up and sharing that a little bit. And then we truly appreciate you coming on the show and and sharing a little bit about you and and your, your story and also sharing about third lens and all the incredible uh, stuff they do around the world uh, for so many people. So again, so appreciative and, and thank you for all that you do.
1: My pleasure guys. Thank you for having me. And, uh, I appreciate young guns like you, uh, thinking outside the box and, and trying to, to, to be better. But um, I I really think what you're doing is, is in aligns with iron sharpens iron. Um, So congratulations for having um, the forethought to, to start this and, and uh, best of luck to both of you in your futures. Thanks,
2: Brian. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast today. We cannot tell you how thankful we are for every single one of our listeners. And we genuinely want to know and learn about you a little bit more. So if you're interested in uh, maybe sending us a question or just saying, hey, or wanted to talk to us a little bit, please reach out to us at contact at laying-foundations.com. If, if you didn't hear that, didn't understand it, you can go in our show notes and just click on the link and write us an email. Please, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Seriously, me and Davis get excited every single time we get an email from one of our listeners. It, it, it genuinely makes our day. But if you want to find out a little bit more about us uh, via social media, Davis is going to tell you a little bit how to do that.
0: Yeah. Thanks Walker guys. Like Walker said, reach out to us any way you can. We appreciate feedback, whether you like it or not, you know, it helps us grow in any way. We're welcome. We're, we're here to listen. And whenever you guys tell us, we're going to try to implement that into our strategy, but how to get in contact with us on social media. We have a LinkedIn account called the Lang foundations podcast. We have, um, walker walker lots linkedin profile we have davis Hamburg linkedin profile we have a tiktok page called lang.foundations dot foundations we have an instagram page Lang foundations and then you know that's where we're at these are all down in the in the show notes but guys we just want to put this out there and however you want to get in contact with us we're, we're, we're imploring you please just reach out to us we'll respond reach we'll out. get back to you and we want to hear from you. That, that You're the reason, one of the reasons why we're doing this. We want to hear from you. We want to hear feedback. How can we grow and how can we get better? Because like we said before, um, receiving accountability and receiving feedback is one of our core values. And that defines Walker and I at our core. We want to hear your feedback. and We want to be, be held accountable.